gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times, they are a-changing From writers and critics who prophesize with your pens And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming For the loser now will be later to win For the times, they are a-changing Hello, welcome to Social Studies, Voices from Across America. I'm Bill Wood. And I am Peter Goldsmith. This episode, we're going to take another look at what's becoming a cultural phenomenon, a game changer, the March for Life student movement against free access to guns. Peter, we don't know what the total movement will become, like the anti-Vietnam movement or anti-guns or whatever, but it's going to become something It's off to a rousing beginning. You know, Bill, uh, yes, you're absolutely correct in that 100%. But here's what I think is interesting, and I think we have to understand this right from the get-go. And that is, social protest is as American as apple pie. It is a citizen's right to peacefully protest in the streets. We have a long history of it. Uh, We've done it for Oh, I don't know. The first one that I've written down here today is the Boston Tea Party, which we all know representation uh, was was not allowed to us in in the uh, British Parliament. And that's going back to December 1773. So before the country was formed, before the country is for three years before the Declaration of Independence. And we've gone on and on. But what's interesting, Bill, and the reason that I've made a little list for us today is the effects that these marches have had. You know, often people say, ah, who cares, a bunch of people in the streets shouting and yelling and so forth. Well, uh, as you just said, Bill, in 1776, guess what? We had a country. We had the greatest country in the world formed, okay? We went further. Uh, I look at these 1831 Nat Turner uh, slavery revolt. Look what happened in the Civil War years later than that. Uh, 19... 13 women 5,000 strong, which was unheard of in those days, marched down Pennsylvania Avenue demanding the vote. Uh, floats, bans, everything. Guess what? Women were given the right to vote. Uh, all of this stuff, our civil rights movement, if you remember, August 28th, 1963, the beginning of the great civil rights movement, which we know a lot about. 1969, uh, the anti-Vietnamese war rally, 500,000 people, and the war ends some five and a half years later. Gay rights in 69, Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Excuse me, let me cut you off there because it ended five and a half years later after, what, some 15 years of fighting in Vietnam. It started in the mid-60s. 
So, yeah, I mean, yeah. some people stood up and got changed. Yeah, and I mean, just from a labor point of view, something that I'm really close with, the the, uh, the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire in 1911, where 146 people were killed, activated the labor movement in this country. And there are too many protests to, to talk about with labor, but the, but the changes have been better. Those people who are in unions and things of that nature know that at least they have benefits and good things going on for them. So these marches are important uh, and if we look back with an historical eye as opposed to I went to the march it didn't mean anything three guys were just drinking beer and so forth and so on not the case speaking of drinking beer I have one here the lager beer riot which took place in uh, April uh, April 21st to be exact of 1855 uh, and it was for the taverns to close on uh, Sundays and for the license for beer uh, to be from $50 to $300 uh, which didn't slow down any beer drinking it's in the slowed, United States. Hadn't slowed down anybody so far. <laughs> Just yeah. funny though that's here. Yeah, I remember uh, it was a protest on the campus at Cal, uh, California State University, Kate State College, when I was there, and they raised the tuition from forty-seven dollars to fifty-four dollars, seven dollars, and we marched on the dean's office yeah. and made all kinds of protests. Didn't change anything, but. Our voices were heard, and that's what we're talking about here, that people aren't silent and their voices are heard, and it's that's kind of what democracy is. you got to make your voice heard. If you can't make your voice heard, then what are you except being lauded over by a government who doesn't care about you? They only care when you raise your voice. That's exactly right, Bill. And again, when, when I talk about we have the right, and actually I think we have the mandate to get in the streets. We have a government right now who can't figure out how to take all these guns away from, from the people who don't deserve them. If you, have, if you are fit to own a pistol or long gun, you should absolutely have the right to own one. As you know, and I've said before on these podcasts, I am a gun owner. But for crying out loud, let's get some rules in place here. Let's get some regulations. Let's do the right thing. When government can't do the right thing, which oftentimes is the case, the people will always do the right thing. I heard it said, and I kind of expanded on it, I can't believe that the Second Amendment to the right to own guns, I can't believe that it is the right for every American, regardless of age or mental capacity, to buy any gun for use at any time for any reason. That's not what's in the amendment. Bill, if you want to drive a car, you have to have eyesight. You have to be able to see. If you want to do other things, you have to be allowed to do those things by you what be you can enough. and cannot do. You have to be, I think, in some states 14, in some states 16. But you have to, you, if, if, you're, if you're sightless, you can't drive a car. It's real simple. If you have a mental deficiency, if you have a history of alcoholism or drug abuse, if you have a history of domestic abuse or child abuse, any of these things, you shouldn't have a gun. It's just that simple. So without getting into an argument about gun rights and so forth here, let's talk about this student movement that kind of started organically after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, Parkland, Florida, in February, Valentine's Day to be exact. Let's listen to some children, and we'll get to their parents and supporters later who took part 
in the March 24th protests across America, but one that came from a girl, Gonzalez was her name. Emma Gonzalez, 17 years old. Yes, 17 years old. Yes. Just an incredible few minutes here. Let's listen. Six minutes and 20 seconds with an AR-15, and my friend Carmen would never complain to me about piano practice. Aaron Feist would never call Kira Miss Sunshine. Alex Schachter would never walk into school with his brother Ryan. Scott Beagle would never joke around with Cameron at camp. Helena Ramsey would never hang out after school with Max. Gina Montalto would never wave to her friend Liam at lunch. Joaquin Oliver would never play basketball with Sam or Dylan. Elena Petty would never. Carol Lugren would never. Chris Hickson would never. Luke Hoyer would never. Marquine Duque Aguiano would never. Peter Wang would never. Alyssa Alhadaf would never. Jamie Guttenberg would never. Meadow Pollock would never. So she took a moment there in the middle of all of this to just sort of bring in, she had a clock going, and to bring in some of the people from the audience. And they started chanting. I mean, it was just an incredibly emotional time uh, when all this went together. And we're listening to them chanting right now, never again. Bill, this brings up a really good question for me. And I've been thinking about this for a while. When does a child's voice become a mature voice? What age does that child have to be until we take it as seriously uh, as we do someone older? Why can't a person who's 14, 15, 16, 18, 20 speak truth the way a 35 or a 45-year-old Since person Since the time can? that I came out here, it has been six minutes and 20 seconds. The shooter has ceased shooting and will soon abandon his rifle, blend in with the students as they escape and walk free for an hour before arrest. Fight for your lives before it's someone else's job. Just a very emotional time and... Uh, if you saw it, or I can't imagine what it must have been to be there. And to think what she was saying, six minutes, six minutes plus, less than six and a half minutes, that changed lives of hundreds of people at the school, and hopefully it'll grow to change the lives of millions of people in America. Yeah, one of the things I think is important, uh, it was called March for Our Lives, now, it does have a lot to do with guns. We know that, as you said, it came from the horrible Valentine's Day uh, shooting in Florida. But it's for all of our lives, for all of the things that go into our lives, for all of us as active participants in this country to force, force the powers that be, our, our elected officials, to take action, not only on this issue of gun control, but on the issues of sexual violence, on the issues of racism and sexism, and all of these things. It's time for the government to put down their agenda, whatever it may be, 
and start listening to what the people are calling for. Save the lives of these young people. It's ridiculous. I heard on the radio today Rick Santorum, uh, a former senator, I believe, from the state of Pennsylvania, said these kids would be better off learning CPR than, than staging a protest asking other people to help them. That's exactly the kind of thinking we do not need in this country. We cannot tolerate that kind of malarkey, to quote my sainted mother, any further. That's ridiculous. I heard that same thing. And you, you're driving in the car and you have to pay attention to what you're doing in driving because that is so far removed from reality to think that kids that have gone through uh, I've heard it said, but from other people in the the student movement, that kids were texting their parents goodbye. They didn't even know if they were going to survive this uh, this moment in time. In these six and a half minutes, they were texting their parents goodbye, and their parents were texting them back. and And this clown, you can't even call him a politician. He's a clown to even. Bring your mind to think that that's what the kids should be doing. They should be trying to learn how to save each other's life rather than fighting for their right to go to school without to being school murdered. Without being murdered. You know, exactly. and, and there's so many others. I, I would like to know how a person with those ideas and that ideology spends time with his or her children. What do you say to your children? What do you say to people who are saying, we've got a problem here and help me solve it, and you're off on some lunatic binge here? You know, we've got to start facing the problems, all of us, all of us, in any way that we can. Uh, it's not a, a Republican or a Democratic or a Libertarian or a Socialist or a Tea Party thing. It's a thing for all people. And one of the things that you and I spoke about before— And again, excuse me, Peter, we're not talking about taking away guns. No, no. We're just talking about some controls so that anybody can go buy anything and use it any way they want to— to do whatever damage they can do. Yeah, that's the point. As I'm saying to you, it's not a partisan issue. It's an issue of how do we protect the citizens of this country? It's a very simple issue with a very complex answer, I'm sure, or we would have come to the answer already. None of these things are simple. None of them are easy. And I go back to the word agenda again. You know, there are agendas in play. We understand this stuff. But when certain simplistic things are on the table, we've got to forget partisan politics. We've got to forget these things that, that draw us apart. Uh, and we've got to come together. This, tell me a parent that would not like to have his or her child in a safer environment than they are now. I can't imagine there's one. So these are the things we're talking about, and these are the things that need to get rectified. This is why, in, in, in a republic that which we live in, we need to get out and vote for the people whose ideas and ideals are analogous to ours. We have a very important, maybe the most important midterm election, perhaps in my lifetime, and I've been around a heck of a long time, uh, we need to vote for those people and get those people out of office 
who, who don't see it that way. You know, as I, I've mentioned probably before, Karl Marx said uh, in his time that the only two countries that could have revolution through the ballot box were Great Britain and the United States of America. And I think we're, what we're calling for now is it is a government by all the people all the time. You know, one of the nice things, and as I start to say before, you and I spoke about it earlier, is most of these young people, most, do not see color, religion, gender. They see other young people. They see people who are like themselves, have the same wants and the same needs, and they're a full step ahead of those of us who grew up struggling on these things. They're lucky enough that they see people as people and not just as numbers or as, you know, uh, outsider, quote unquote, individuals. So there was another bite of interest from the march in Washington where I've heard estimates anywhere from 300,000 to 600,000. Uh, so let's say a bunch of people, a, a significant number of people were there. It wasn't just a few people that were there. They, the, this student movement has support and it's going to survive. Now, this is from Yolanda King, the granddaughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who had her own appeal to the crowd. My grandfather had a dream that his four little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that enough is enough. it's important like you mentioned a few minutes ago how do you listen do you do you denigrate not denigrate but do you dismiss kids like this child nine years old and wait until she's 29 before you give her her words meaning or do you listen to a nine-year-old the innocence of a nine-year-old whether she was trained or politically prepared whatever but the innocence of a nine-year-old is just as value valuable as a 29-year-old who's talking about something that is important to the entire culture. Yeah, speaking truth to power is always important, whether you're nine years old or 99 years old. And again, that's what we need to see more and more of. I think that this movement of young folks has really vitalized this country, has really made us see that perhaps there are ways to do things. You know, when, when, when we couldn't get out of our own way, we as adults, the young kids stepped up and said, you know what, we don't buy into that. We don't want to have a, a life like that. You know, march for our, for our lives. Again, 
not only about guns, about what's the quality of our life going to be. Who has a say in our life? Who has a right to make statements? Who has a right to speak up for what they believe to be the truth? And that's the the road that I want to take down. And as an older guy, and I am, I'm proud to see these young kids standing up. I love it. This is a powerful movement. This is an empowering movement for all of us. You know, let jump on this bandwagon. Let's see what these young folks are going to do. Because quite frankly, we're playing the back nine here. These young folks, they, they got their whole lives ahead of them. They want to design a future. I'm all for it. I want to see what they can design. And I'd like to lend a hand if I could. Let, let's listen to this guy. He's a professor at a local college here in Southern California who had an, an incredible thing to say. He supported what you said there, that he wanted to come and support the kids but what he had to say at the end will just, it'll bring a smile to your face. Good. What's your name? Jeffrey. And you're here for this march today. What would you like to see happen with the march? Well, obviously, I, first of all, I think it's great that students are empowered. And I think that we could learn a lot from them. Uh, and I just think that it's time to take back our democracy. We've all been saying it. But you know what? It took these kids who don't even probably have the right to vote yet to inspire me to come down and show my support. Marches are happening all over the country. What would you like to see the marches accomplish? Well, I mean, in a best case scenario, I'd like to see guns abolished completely. I know Completely? Completely. I mean, there's... Now, that's radical. You said you do anything radical. That's pretty radical. Well, you asked me in a best case scenario what I would prefer. I would... There's no way that a gun is a defensive weapon. Right. I mean, a weapon is not defensive, right? It is by nature offensive. Now, it, it, does it threaten people? Yeah. Does it cause violence? Yeah. But unless a gun can catch a bullet, it's not defensive. That's pretty good. When he said that, I said, we don't need to say anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the absolute core. And again, we don't want to talk about guns here. Well, that's for another show. This is about the empowerment of young people, and I think it's important. We've said before that 50 years ago, we were the young people, and we managed to change the, uh, the uh, foreign policy of an entire government. Two administrations, the Johnson administration and the Nixon administration. And we were able, through marches and and uh, voicing our opinions, to change the uh, the policy of America and force Nixon to get out of Vietnam. That was the ultimate thing. And hopefully, these young people will have the same uh, stick to itiveness that we had. I'm repeating this again because I think it's important that we've got to change this reality that. Anybody of any age and any mental capacity can go buy any gun at any time to do anything they want to do with it. We can't have that anymore. Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, one of the important things about this uh, March for Life thing for me was the inclusiveness of it. In other words, we all talk about community and we all have these big words. But inclusion is really, for me, the most important word. Listening to what other people are saying, how to implement good ideas, and how to debate ideas which are not so good. 
the fellow you just spoke to, Jeffrey, you told me before we started, was probably a guy in his 40s and it was a professor. We've also heard Dr. King's granddaughter, who's nine. We've heard uh, Emma Gonzalez, who is, I think, 17. I think that's what she is now. Uh, and we're going to hear other people. I know you did a bunch of interviews with them, Bill, but this is what's really going to get us started. Once people feel that their voice can be recognized and something can be done about it, it empowers us to do more. If you're just out there by yourself, what, what chance do I have? One lone person living in some place in the middle of America, I have no chance. But if you know that there are people in the West Coast, the East Coast, the South, the North, all over the place, then there's something that can be done. And that's how move begin. Small, of course, they're all grassroots movements. But the point being here, we can make changes. We really can. And we're going to. This is going to happen. I fully believe in this. I'm, I'm extremely excited about it. And I want to see more and more of it. And I want it to gather steam. And I want us, all of us, to, to get on board and voice our opinions. Now, some of the kids that I talked to uh, brilliant kids. These kids had an opinion and they were able to voice it in uh, cogent, sensible uh, reality, including this one from Emily and her friend Naomi. I'm going to play them back to back because these kids actually had fear. They didn't talk about a shooting at their school, but they were afraid of it, which is the the bottom line, the core of terror. Let's listen to Emily. What's your name? Emily. It's been a long time since I've been a student, but is that something that kids worry about in school, someone showing up with a gun? Yes, it's like, it's more worrying than like an earthquake. I mean, we have a lot of drills about it. We have like- Drills about somebody with a gun? Um, not specific, well, lock, lockdown drills and We've had, like, entire class periods where just teachers, like, after the shootings, talking about what protections our school has. And, and we're in California, which has better laws than other states, but state gun laws don't really work. We need national laws because otherwise people can just bring in guns from other states. So, you know, it's, I think it's a constant theater that our generation has to worry about that a lot of people before us didn't. What do you think can happen out of these marches today? Um... Hopefully stricter regulations, especially federal laws, I think. State gun laws don't work very well, so I think we need federal protections for students. What's your name? Naomi. And what would you like to see happen out of these protest marches all over the country today? I'd like it for for it to help change politicians' minds into being more for gun controls and laws that help force the officials to enforce gun laws that already exist because we're seeing that a lot of these gun laws that do exist are just being overlooked and that's how some people are getting guns anyway. I'm kind of scared for my siblings a lot, especially since my my sister's school just had like a warning about a shooter and that was utterly terrifying. So I hope that that's what politicians hear and they make something happen. I want to be feel safe. Ryan, do you feel safe at school? I do, but after this, I'm a little bit scared. So, yeah. What was it about the shooting in Parkland that was different than Columbine and Newtown and all the other shootings? I just I feel like they had a life and they should have been able to like express themselves and continue with their life, and they got that taken away from them. So no more guns. That's it for you. Yeah.
these are intelligent kids. And I was thinking after listening to Ryan, uh, Columbine was probably before she was born and Newtown was when she was in diapers. She was too young. But I think that's part of the process here is that these young people who are intelligent, this has impacted their lives. And we heard from three kids here who said they were scared in school. You should be able to go to school and come home and not worry about what happens in between or whether or not you're going to get to go home when it's all over. Yeah, you know, Bill, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, but as you know, I teach in a small college in Western North Carolina, and we were put on lockdown a few weeks ago. Yeah, and it was extremely strange that what happened was, and this is what happens for people who don't know, uh, a security officer came around uh, to the particular building that I teach in, I teach in, in a television studio, that's my classroom, and said, uh, you need to keep your doors locked until further uh, word comes. No one in or no one out. Luckily, uh, it was a veiled threat and nothing occurred, and, and it was all good, and the security was excellent, and the people took you know, the right steps and so forth and so on. But it's a really interesting thing. Even my students who are college students were really confused and upset and and some of them quite worried about what was going to happen. And, you know, putting these kinds of things on us is a terrible thing that we're doing to each other. And again, I I, I resort to the word inclusion and community because that's what I think the answer to all this stuff is, you know. Uh, What is it that drives a young boy or girl to do these things. What is it? It has to be a self, a, a sense of helplessness. I, I don't know what else to do. I'm stuck. I'm in a bind. How do we make sure those people are dealt with? How do we as a community include those people in what we're doing? How do we give them a voice to vent even, to say what they think? How do we allow this anger or this frustration or whatever it is to come out, whether it's about guns or domestic violence, I have a student uh, who has a terrible uh, home life. I don't want to go into it any more than that because I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but he might. Uh, and, and he's taken some very drastic steps. Luckily, he's gotten some help, but who knows what would have happened. I think that you know this gun violence is, is, is symptomatic of a larger problem, and that's why I want to talk about you know March for Our Lives, the problems that we all engage, whether it's alcoholism or drug abuse or abuse or whatever it happens to be, they're symptomatic of other things. People are not getting the chance to voice what they feel and what they think, and they're not getting help enough when they do. There's too much disparity. There's too much hatred. Uh, there's too much uh, what's the word? separation in this country. And that's what we really need to stop. And that's the stuff that we really need to come together on. And again, I, I'm redundant, I know, but this is not about Republicans and Democrats and Tea Parties and Socialists. That's another whole story. This is about making our streets better places for our kids. You know, the old saying, the parent always wants his or her child to grow up better than he or she did. I never worried one day in my school. I worried I might get a black eye from some kid, but it wasn't any more than that. Today, these poor kids have to worry about things that, we, that was inconceivable to us as we went to school. 
So we're going a little longer than we normally go today, but we heard from uh, Bob Dylan uh, earlier at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to hear from him again, but we're not talking about gun control. That's another uh, another argument, another podcast altogether. What we're talking about here is the chance to listen. That's what you talked about earlier. Uh, we need to listen to each other pay attention to each other, and respect each other's opinion, whether that opinion is coming from a 9-year-old experience or a 29 or a 39 or a 99-year-old experience. We need to listen. Yeah, Bill, exactly right. I couldn't agree with you more. And l- let me say about listening and, 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 and listening, I hope that uh, we're reaching some either sympathetic or perhaps even angry ears on these podcasts. And I'd like everyone uh, to remember we are at Ignitus Life, A-G-N-I-T-U-S-L-I-F-E.com, IgnitusLife.com. Our podcasts, we try to do them every two weeks if we possibly can. There's a bunch of stuff up there that's also important, we think socially relevant, we hope. If you've got a comment for us, whether you like us or you don't, let us know. If you'd like to change, if you'd like to hear something, let us know. Become part of what we're doing. Most of us out there are over 65. We've been around the block a few times. Uh, We know what we like and we know what's a lot of, again, I quote my sainted mother, malarkey. But let's, let's get involved. On that, let's say goodbye. Let's listen to Bob Dylan, who is from our generation. Everyone who's listening knows about Bob Dylan. Let's listen to a little more from Bob Dylan about a song that sort of captured at the time the emotions, but it's amazing, 50 years later, it still has import. Bob Dylan, uh, the times they are changing because they are. Till the next time, take care of each other, respect each other. Peace. The line it is drawn in the curse it is cast This slowest one now will later be fast As the present now will later be past The order is rapidly fading And the first one now will later be last For the times they are a-changing